0: Previously on Wormwood, Dr. Xander Crow followed his investigation into the drowning of Emily Saunders out to old Cedric Bloomington's farm, seeking information on a similar drowning that occurred in town some 70 years ago. But the sun quickly sets, and Cedric abandoned Crow for the lure of the night, leaving the obsessed doctor to be attacked by a group of mysterious cloaked figures. Once a prominent psychologist, tragedy forced Dr. Xander Crow down the dark pathways of the occult, and he was transformed. Now, chasing the vision of a dead woman, Dr. Crow finds himself in the haunted town of Wormwood, where evil lurks in the shadows and stains the souls of its inhabitants. Welcome to Wormwood. Episode 17, Asunder, Story by Rick Beta. Script by Jeremy Rogers.
1: been in his shadows all day, watching everything he does, in the same streets, eating the same meals at the same time. I followed him from the diner out to Cedric Bloomington's farm, and I'll wait here, in the dark, for my time. Gotta be an echo of his footsteps, beat behind but nearing. I have to get so close to what he is so I can... Look at him, would you? Can you see him on the porch? I know it's dark, but he's there. No, no, darling. Close your eyes. You don't need to see this. It's too upsetting. I promise you that I'll hurt him as much as I can. Suffer the pain and horror and heartbreak of having something precious taken away. And when he does, when he thinks he understands, when he lies and pretends to see what a monster he truly is... I'm going to kill Dr. Xander Crow with my own two hands around his neck. I'm going to do it so goddamn slow. (laughs) No reason to send a child to do a job I'm going to so thoroughly enjoy. But for now, we wait. And I'm okay with that, because this is nice. The two of us, here, away from the town away from all of the sympathy. I love that we're still together, Emily.
2: Brent, you're such a sweet husband.
1: You, Emily, you're too good for me. I still can't believe that I have you all to myself.
2: Oh, I'm yours, but this won't last.
1: Do you know that you're as stunning as you were the day we married? I've been watching our wedding video a lot lately. I have to say.
2: Brent stop
1: don't you think you're pretty
2: I know how I look God I'm so pale and bloated my eyes are slipping into their sockets they're they're bruising like old fruit Brent do you see the blood won't stop trickling out of the back of my head I can't get it to stop it's it's lifeless blood it's it's black and thick like syrup in the in the water. We can't even soak up this much with our towels, not even if we use up all the good ones! <laughs> Brenda, run and Brandon falling apart!
1: Emily, I don't see any of that.
2: I'm gonna make you sick if you don't keep your hands off me.
1: Darling, it's not just my hands I can't keep off of you. Emily, you have to trust me. You're a knockout, and I'm the luckiest husband in the world.
2: Lucky are you. If only your wife wasn't dead.
1: Well, you are. But we never got divorced, so we're not giving up now.
2: Please, stop, Brent. It's very sweet, and and I do love you so much for your kindness, but I won't last much longer.
1: (laughs) I'll preserve you, Emily. We'll make love in a bathtub of formaldehyde.
2: It's not funny. Stop it. We have a job to do. Once you kill the doctor, you're going to have to move on. Find yourself in the arms of another woman.
1: I won't stray again, Emily. I won't ever touch another...
2: Oh. Not even Deirdre Frost.
1: What? No!
2: She's very pretty, Brent.
1: But she's not you. You can never be replaced.
2: But I can be avenged. You will. You have to do it tonight, Brent. Those others, you can't let them get to him first. The doctor is yours.
3: Come on, after,
2: without suffering on their own. Brent! Go now. You have to get the doctor right now. Hurry!
1: Okay. I love you, Emily. So much. Now I'm going to make that bastard pay for manipulating your death.
4: surprises, and certainly I don't like being manhandled, although it's preferable to being gutted by a vampire. So you do have my sympathies on that account, but it would appear as though you've got the answers that I seek, so let's see who you are under that hood.
5: Okay, Dr. Crow, what have you to say now? I'm not exactly the person you were expecting to uncover, am I?
4: Well... I just don't have a bloody inkling of who you are! So I'd have to say that my answer to your question is a resounding no!
5: <laughs> You've gone too far this time, Doctor! Oh
4: God, that scar cutting down the middle of your
5: face! Yuck! Enjoy the nightmares, Crow! Oh, then say hi to that little sparrow of yours! We know she's out there!
3: It is a great tune and all, Jake, but do you mind?
6: They're listening, Rachel. It's not going to help my cause any if they hear me up in my room talking to myself.
3: You're not talking to yourself. You're talking to me. Besides, who cares what they think? They're part of it.
6: That ringtone, Rach, that's a pretty damn specific download, right? I mean, could it be possible that someone else still has fond memories of John Hughes movies?
3: Yeah, that's likely.
6: As likely as my best friend being dead and in my bedroom, you're a ghost. I'll believe anything right about now.
3: Your best friend?
6: Well, yeah. Who else?
3: That's great. Jacob, buddy, pal. God, I wish your dad wasn't trying to kill you so we could go into your backyard and toss the pigskin around a bit. What
6: are you talking about?
3: It's called a football. Nothing. I'm not talking about anything, so... Uh,
6: I don't know. I, I just gotta think for a minute. I don't know what to do.
3: It's easy. Throw what you have to have into your backpack and climb out your window. Jacob, don't think. Run. I can't just run away. Of course you can. Do you want a reason? Your dad has tried to kill you. We
6: don't know that for sure. I mean, probably... Holy... Yeah, it it does look that way. But doesn't everyone think their parents are trying to kill them at one point or another? I, I, I used to think my mom was trying to poison me. Every night at the dinner table, I'd wait for her to take a bite before I'd start eating it. I mean, everybody goes through that, don't they?
3: Oh, come on! We heard that ringtone down in the caves. We both know that was him. He shot a gun at you and chased you. Jake, he probably had something to do with what happened to me.
6: He's my dad. Rach, he's my nice parent.
3: Jacob, you can come down for dinner. Maybe she found a recipe for all that old arsenic cluttering the cabinets. What the
6: hell am I supposed to
3: do? Be afraid of your parents and run! Get your ass out of here!
2: Jacob? Even when grounded, you still have to eat dinner with your family.
6: Pork chops.
3: Ugh. She's good, Jacob. Devilish, actually. And you're falling for it! Fine. Go.
6: I I just need time to think. You'll be here when I get back, won't you, Rachel?
3: What else do I have
6: to do? Don't worry, I'll only be downstairs, and I'll be fine for dinner.
3: Sure. Biology says you have to eat, so eat. There's also something in there about the fight for survival. Oh, but I guess that's only referring to those living things not paralyzed by fear.
6: What am I supposed to do? They're my parents. If I sneak out the window, they're just gonna find me. And then what'll happen? Rach, right, relax. will be back before you know it.
3: Cool. I'll have your backpack stuffed with clean clothes and the window propped open, ready with bedsheets tied into a knotted rope for you to climb down. You could do that? Well, no. But I did put those books over in the library. I can do what exactly, Jacob?
6: Mom! Oh, uh, sorry, I-, I didn't hear you out there.
2: No CD player, mister. Not for a very long time. Now go wash up. Dinner is ready. Jake, don't go. Please?
6: Shut up, would you?
2: Jacob James Kidder. What did you say? He
3: said to shut up!
6: Nothing, Mom. I was just. Um.
2: I was just. Did you make pork chops? Downstairs. Now. Lynette Bradley called the house today. That new book arrived at the library, so she wants to set up a club meeting for later in the week to get us all started in on it.
7: Mm. No problem. Oh, wait. I'll be taking the reins on the Howard Phillips project tomorrow. It's going to be hectic, so as I restructure some of the people around the office... Ah, but I'll see what I can move around.
2: Jonathan, reading is important.
7: I know this, Dahlia.
6: Mom, do we have anything else to drink this... This tea tastes... fine.
2: Oh, Jacob. We don't need you going through this phase again. You see me drinking it, don't you?
6: What? Mom, it's just...
2: You haven't taken a sip. Now, you're not ten years old anymore. When are you going to learn that your parents aren't going to poison you?
7: Drink it, son. Don't make your mother get up just because you're trying to guilt us for punishing you for all this recent crap you've been pulling. Dad, I woke up in a cow. You've milked that one enough, haven't you, Jacob?
2: This fear of poisoning that kids have is utterly ridiculous. I don't get it. I really don't. Why wouldn't we just simply suffocate you in your sleep? Mom,
7: I
6: know, but it is a common phobia for little kids, and I don't even know how to answer that. Are, are you... You're not serious, are you?
2: Oh, no, Jacob, I'm not serious. I think we have some Kool-Aid left in the pitcher. Give me your glass.
7: Jacob, your mom tells me that she found an interesting sketch of Rachel in your dresser drawer. She what? Son, listen.
2: It's not appropriate dinner conversation.
7: Mom, you're a good artist. That was private. But I'd hate to see you squander your talent on graphic illustrations.
2: You're a teenager, Jacob. You don't have any privacy. And we're not talking about this over the dinner table.
7: That's fantastic, really. Of your girlfriend sitting on the toilet. What was that? Oh, uh... I left some
6: sci-fi books from the library on my desk, and probably the cat knocked him down. I uh, saw her up there. Jacob,
7: we all have our kinks, but it's important to remember that... It's not what you think. It's not what it looks like. Well, I haven't seen it, but your mother tells me it looks like your girlfriend squatting over it. A-
2: Jonathan! Perhaps you can hold off on your father-and-son talk of fetishes for some other time. No! it's
6: It's a series I'm working on I'm stripping away the veneer of proper society. I, I mean, everyone has to. T- Jacob, they're illustrations of vulnerability. It's my art, not just of Rachel, but I've done tons of them. I, I even did one of you, Mom. It's <gasps> nothing, Jacob. That's enough.
2: Lord, our son's a deviant. No,
6: Mom, Dad, it's not like that. Oh, this is so
3: embarrassing. I wasn't snooping, Jake. Really, I-, I only faced into your closet to see what you might so want to I pack. pack. Just like you used to be. But now, I have to ask you something. Are you planning on bringing the secret stash of vintage sci-fi porn with you when you I run away? I can't help
7: it if he sneaks the TV on late at I night.
3: I told you
2: we should have cancelled our subscription to those movie channels. I asked you to do that one time.
7: One time. When are you going to let it go?
2: He used to be such a sweet little boy. <laughs>
3: God. You are such a perverted geek!
7: Mom?
6: <laughs> Dad? Can I just be excused? I would so much rather be grounded to my room right now.
3: Oh, and by the way, I think your cat can see me. She flipped and knocked off all your interstellar erotica books off your dresser.
5: (laughs) For as much as two have consented together to be married, and have declared before the church and neighbors of Wormwood by the exchanging of rings... Now, by the power vested in me by the state of California, I pronounce you husband and wife. From this day forward, you will be one in mind, one in heart, and one in eternal destiny. What love has been established today, let no man put asunder. You may now kiss your bride.
1: Emily, with this ring, I give myself to you. Your dreams, I will share. Your burdens, I will bear. From now until forever, I will be incomplete without you. The doctor is awake.
5: I now present to you husband and wife.
4: So who was unfortunate enough to get married? Oh, God say it was... Ow! My head! Is there a dash in the back of my head? I can't... I can't move.
1: I certainly hope you can't move, Doctor. We spent a good hour tying you securely to that chair. We did, did we? Uh, Yeah
4: my head, that's blood I can feel sticking and clogging my ear, isn't it, clearly? I've done something to irk you, and frankly, that doesn't surprise me. But I find that I generally can resolve matters such as these by explaining that I seldom have ever a clue what I've done. Shut up, Doctor. Brent Saunders. Ah. I must say that your performance out at the farm, what with the mystique of hooded robes and such, was so much more impressive than that old navy business casual that you're wearing now. That wasn't me. Well, then you have my gratitude for stepping in and scaring the baddies away.
1: Well, we couldn't let them rough you up too much, could we? That would ruin everything we had planned. I see. Aren't you going to ask to be untied? I don't expect you to comply.
4: So instead, let me ask you this. Did you buy your clothes online? Hmm? Because that's quite the trendy button-down shirt you have on, and I haven't stumbled upon any local retail stores about town that I imagine would carry such an item. Hmm?
1: Emily bought this shirt for me from a catalogue. It's a couple sizes too big for me. Emily. Poor unfortunate girl. Hmm? Should I tell him? Tell me what, exactly? She wants me to wait.
4: Oh, Emily is here.
1: Yes? She's your accomplice in the scene, is that correct? She has an interest in her revenge.
4: Brent... I am not a medium or even all that sensitive to ghosts and spirits, but I know without doubt that Emily is not here. What you see, what you think you are interacting with, it's all in your head. She's not real any longer. Sure. No, no, you don't understand, Brett. I exhumed her body a couple of nights ago. I pried, opened the casket, and I saw her for what she really is. Emily is unnaturally decomposed, Brett unnaturally decomposed. Her skin has already blackened and dried and is separating from her bones. It's wrong. And I know that it is.
1: (laughs) We're going to watch a little more of the wedding video, okay, Doctor? And then I'm going to strangle you to death.
2: Brent, with this ring, I give myself to you. Your dreams, I will share. Your burdens, I will bear. From now until forever, I will be incomplete without you.
4: Yes, I see, Brent, but I did not drown Emily. Hmm? I did everything I could to prevent
1: That's not what she says
4: You have to let it go and listen to me Listen, but listen I believe Emily to have been sacrificed As part of some sort of cult ritual No, listen, when I examined her remains I discovered that she had been poisoned That this was before she was murdered
1: She was not poisoned, I would have heard And so you just now
4: have I assure you that I am now More than ever on this case
1: Too late, Doctor It's too late We know what you did with the kid. We know that you used your psychological mind tricks to brainwash him into drowning Emily. That is ridiculous, man. I'm on your side more than you know.
4: I came to town to prevent the drowning, or didn't you hear?
1: You're not taking us seriously
4: enough. I know that you are hurt, and I am not an entirely cold heart, but I do think that you are just a tiny little bit.
5: We demented in your... Shh. Marriage is a covenant of faith and trust between a man and a woman, requiring all of the openness of life and thought, free from doubt and suspicion. Marriage also is a covenant of hope that endures all things, and in which both husband and wife commit themselves to interpret each other's behavior with understanding and compassion, and to never give up trying to communicate with each other. Marriage, therefore, is a covenant of love, in which both husband and wife empty themselves of their own concerns and take upon the concerns of each other.
1: Doctor, I know that Emily is dead And I know that I'll never have her back. Whether she's only in my head, or standing right beside me, you've got to suffer.
4: But you know, listening to that sermon, Brent, it does make me think. Brent, Mm. the innkeeper, Hank Mason, Uh, he was sleeping with Emily.
1: Does it hurt, doctor?
4: about as much as thinking that that shirt you have on, which is too big for you, but not for burly Hank Mason. He might have given it to her and she wore it
1: in bed with him, nothing underneath. Uh, And then what? She passed it off to me as a gift? That's not a good thought.
4: (laughs) But she was going to... She was gonna leave him and come back to you, Brent, but he but he wouldn't let
1: her. Hank Mason.
4: Yes. I never laid a finger on Emily. She was your wife. Well, not when she was alive, but look, everyone in the town knows that Mr. Mason couldn't keep his hands off her. Your wife! Emily, Hank Mason!
1: The innkeeper. <laughs> uh.
4: Uh. Catching a horrific kitchen knife is not what I was
1: hoping for. She told me that she washed this shirt. That's why she cut the tags off before I could try it on. Women. No! uh. Thank you. Lock the door when you leave, would you, Dr. Crow? Can't trust anyone in this town anymore.
0: To be continued on the next episode of Wormwood. Created by David A. Campbell and Jeremy Rogers. Wormwood is an original podcast produced by Habit Forming Films, LLC, featuring the talented cast of Season 1 regular and supporting roles. Arthur Russell as Dr. Xander Crowe, Sonia Parozzi as Rachel Nolan and Sparrow, Scott Ullenink as Jacob Kidder, Coralie Nickars as Emily Saunders, Deidre Frost and Margaret Roosevelt, Joe J. Thomas as Hank Mason, Phineas Dibbert. Bob Guildenstern, Mr. Bressier, and your announcer, Rob Grindlinger, as Sheriff Tom Bradley, Steve Haskell, Cedric Bloomington, and Julian Callender, Peter Dirksen, as Jimmy Details, Jonesy, and Harlan Panic, Zachary Fawkes, as Charles Edison, Brent Saunders, and Reginald Bloomington, Cheyenne Besize, as Katrina Edison, Lamora Haskell, Emily Bloomington, and Sister George, Anna Maganini as Lynette Bradley and Peggy Nolan, Andrew Ramirez as Dexter Nolan and Young Cedric Bloomington, Dave Johnston as Deputy Wayne Drexel and Jonathan Kidder, and Chris Blaylock as Dr. Pete Menno. Additional voices provided by the talented cast. Staff writers Jeremiah Allen, Rob Alsbaugh, Tiffany K. Whitney, and Rick Beta. Executive Producers, David Acampo and Jeremy Rogers. Original music compositions by Todd Hodges. Sound effects engineered by Chris Sahakian. Copyright 2007 Habit Forming Films, LLC. Wormwood is a serialized podcast and cannot be distributed in part or whole outside of the podcast format without written consent from the creators. For more information on the cast and writers and individual episode credits, visit www.wormwoodshow.com. Thank you for listening and welcome to town. (laughs)
1: <laughs> My heart will go on That's your